This is the Mahabharata Podcast, Episode 46, The Cattle Raid. Last time, we started Book 4, the Book of Virata. The book is named after the king of the Matsyas, Virata, who unwittingly hosted the Pandavas during the year of hiding. We managed to cover that entire year in a single episode. Not much really happened during that year until the final month of their exile. At that point, Virata's marshal and brother-in-law, Kichaka, became infatuated with the queen's hairdresser, Draupadi. He took his obsession so far as to make a rather violent pass at her. Lest her honor be questioned or sullied in any way, Bhima made short work of the odious Sutta. By the end of this incident, the menfolk of the kingdom were all terrified of Draupadi and her supernatural husbands. Virato was so scared, he needed his wife to beg Draupadi to please leave the kingdom. The story ends with Draupadi promising to go in just 13 more days. The next chapter, called The Cattle Raid, begins with the discussion of the political fallout stemming from Kichaka's murder. Among the Matsyas, we are told that the commoners were glad to be rid of Kichaka's oppressive relatives, who used their patron status at court to dominate the commoners. Prospects were not nearly so good abroad. It was clear to Virata's neighbors that Kichaka's generalship was all that protected the Matsyas from invasion. So as soon as news of his death spread, the neighboring clan of Trigartas saw an opportunity to strike. It appears that the Trigartas were tributaries or clients of Hastinapur, because their king, Susharman, went to the Kurus for permission to raid the Matsya's cattle. The scene cuts over to the car of a court, where Duryodhana is desperately seeking out the Pandavas. The rules of the game were that if the Pandavas were found out during the year of hiding, they would resume their exile for another twelve years. Presumably because of Dharma's boon, the Karva spies were unable to find them anywhere. In fact, they had disappeared so completely that Karna suspected they must have died. Thus, with great frustration, Duryodhana sent out his spies one last time before the year came to a close. Meanwhile, Susharman came in person to the Kuru court. He reported the death of Kichaka. Apparently, the Matsyas and Trigartas had been feuding for generations, but Kichaka's leadership had given the Matsyas the upper hand. Now, with Kichaka dead, Susharman saw an opportunity. He complained to Duryodhana that the Matsyas had invaded his territories and had taken their cattle. Now was the time to strike back. Besides, Virata had 200,000 head of cattle just waiting to be herded away. Karna was pretty sick of sitting around worrying about the Pandavas, so he jumped at the chance for glory. He said, forget about the Pandavas. How many cattle or acres of land do they control? Let's go win some glory at Virata's expense. King Duryodhana accepted Karna's proposal, and they planned a double attack on the Matsyas. Susharman would begin the offensive with a diversionary maneuver, while the Kurus would lead the main force straight for the capital. Susharman's army marched first, heading south to raid Virata's cattle-rich borderlands. Duryodhana marched his army one day later. Vaisampayana says that this was the very day that the Pandavas' thirteen-year term of exile came to an end. Meanwhile, back at Virata's palace, news of his worst fears arrived from the north. The Trigartas had invaded and were stealing the king's cattle. Virata prepared for war. He summoned his army and even recruited Kanka, Balava, and the twins to don armor and fight for him. Leaving the Sanutara to mind the women folk while they were away, Virata and the four Pandavas set off to defend the kingdom. When the Matsya army reached the frontier, they observed that Susharman was doing more of a raid than an invasion. The Trigartas had stolen tens of thousands of cattle and were trying to escape with the herds. Thus encumbered, Susharman's army was attacked by Virata. As in most of these wars, the fight largely boiled down to a duel between the two kings. Virata and Susharman fought each other valiantly, 
but ultimately Susharman got the upper hand and even managed to take Virata prisoner. As soon as they saw their leader taken, Virata's army fell into disarray. Yudhishthira saw his chance to repay Virata's hospitality and ordered Bhima to rescue the king. Bhima was only too happy to help, and he grabbed a tree trunk and started to uproot it for a weapon. Yudhishthira stopped him, saying only Bhima was famous for fighting with trees, so he'd better use a more human weapon, like a club. Bhima agreeably consented, and he took up a cudgel and set out for Susharman. The brothers rallied their hesitating forces and led them into a renewed offensive. Yudhishthira's arrows took down Susharman's horses and driver, while Bhima squared off with his opponent. In the melee, Virata managed to escape and took up a cudgel and rejoined the fight. Soon, Bhima had Susharman subdued. Now it was the Trigarta king taken captive. With their king and champion thus defeated, it was the Trigarta army's turn to fall into disarray. The troops began to scatter, and Virata's men rounded up the stolen cattle and led them back to their pens. Virata was delighted with this outcome, and even offered to resign the throne in favor of the Pandavas. Whether he really meant it or not, Kanka declined the honor, only recommending that the king send news of his triumph back to the capital. Virata ordered jewels and honors to be heaped on the Pandavas and sent runners to the capital to prepare for a triumphal entry. Things weren't going so well back at the palace, however. As soon as the cream of Virata's army had left the capital, news came of a second, larger invading force coming from the east and headed straight for the city. This was the Karva army, led by Duryodhana, Karna, Bhishma, Drona, and Kripa. Messengers reported that the Kurus had already taken 60,000 head of cattle and were marching on the city. It seems that Crown Prince Uttara was more of a lover than a fighter, but he put on a brave face and said, I shall certainly lead our forces to victory, but I don't have a charioteer worthy of my abilities. If I find such an expert, then I shall surely ride to victory. I will sow panic in the hearts of the enemy and shall return with our cattle forthwith. By the time I'm done with them, they'll be running for home and wondering if they had just encountered Arjun the Terrifier himself. If I only had a good driver... All this boasting was done for the benefit of the palace women, since all the men had left for war. Draupadi was among them, and she was more than a little annoyed at this snot-nose comparing himself to Dhananjaya. Still maintaining their cover story, Draupadi modestly confided in the prince that his sister's dance teacher had once been Arjun's own charioteer and suggested Brihanala be given the job. The boy liked the idea and sent his sister to fetch the hermaphrodite. Brihanala also maintained his cover and behaved like a giggling schoolgirl as she put on chainmail upside down. The girls asked Brihanala to come back with colorful ribbons from the fallen soldiers so they could make party decorations. Brihanala was happy to comply, anything for the chance to go to war again. She happily called out to the women, promising to bring back some beautiful silks from the battlefield. As the pair drove off toward the invading army, Uttara bragged to Brihanala how he would soon enough chase off the crews and retrieve the cattle. Once they got close enough to see the vast invading army, the prince began to lose his nerve. He saw the opposing army like a vast, moving forest, and led by the greatest heroes of Hastinapur, and Uttara began having second thoughts. He said to Brihanala, Slow down, not so fast. Just look at these guys. I don't think I should be messing around with them. I think I've crapped my pants. Brihanala did not slow their pace, however. She said, We can't turn back now. What about all those boasts you made at court? How could you face them again? I too made promises, so I will not turn back. Uttara said, Screw it, I'm out of here. They can keep the cattle and let them have the kingdom too. There's just a pair of us facing a huge army. It would be suicidal to continue with this. The boy didn't wait for his charioteer's reply. 
he just jumped off the back of the chariot and ran for it. Brihanala tied the reins and ran to catch the prince, her long braid trailing behind her. The sharp-eyed Kurus witnessed the whole scene from the distance and laughed at the boy who seemed to be running from his nurse. The more perceptive among them soon stifled their giggles. They noticed the energetic stride and spectacular build of this eunuch and could only think that they had spotted Arjun in disguise. The boy might be a coward, but who else other than Arjun would be so bold as to lead a single chariot against an army? Had they finally discovered the Pandava's hiding place? Meanwhile, Brikhanala finally caught up with the boy and dragged him back to the car. The boy wailed and cried the whole way, offering Brikhanala gold coins if she'd only let him go. Arjun laughed at the boy and said, There's going to be a battle, so if you aren't willing to fight, then you drive the horses. I will protect you by the force of arms. The prince meekly complied, and Arjun had him turn the chariot toward the cremation grounds. While the Kuru army watched the pair heading out to retrieve Arjun's weapons, a hot dry wind kicked up. The sun went dim, and jackals cried out in the distance. The wise men among the Kurus read the signs and said, Everyone prepare your troops. The omens bespeak great bloodshed and slaughter. There shall soon be a great battle. The boy pulled up at the tree by the cremation grounds, and Birkinala directed him to climb the tree and fetch the weapons. The boy did as he was told, and was dazzled by what he found. The weapons seemed to belong to gods, not mortals. One bow in particular looked so enormous that it didn't seem possible a human could even string it. Only then did it slowly sink in that Brikhanala was no common eunuch. Arjun then revealed himself and told the boy the identities of Kanka, Balava, Draupadi, and the twins. Uttara took great comfort in this news and was finally prepared to drive Arjun into battle. The prince confidently drove them toward the battlefront. As they went, the boy got to thinking and he said, How is it that you of all people took up the guise of a eunuch for a year? Is there something wrong with you? Perhaps you are missing something anatomically? Arjun said, No, I was just following orders. My elder brother told me to take this disguise, so of course I obeyed him. But now our time of fighting has come to an end and Arjun is back. Uttara was relieved to hear that his hero wasn't really a eunuch. Arjun stripped the bangles from his wrists and exchanged them for leather wrist guards. He then directed his driver to take them straight at the enemy. As they rode, Arjun plucked the string of his bow and the thunderous roar it emitted left no doubt among the Kurus that they were facing the famous Dhananjaya himself. To reinforce his point, Arjun raised his monkey banner of the chariot and blew on his apocalyptic conch shell. He looked down and saw his driver cowering on the floor of the chariot. Arjun asked, What's the matter? You're a Kshatriya, born for warfare. Why do you hide yourself like that? Now get up, plant your feet firmly, and hang on while I give this conch another blast. Arjun gave it another blow, twanged his bowstring a few times, and the resulting clamor raised clouds of dust and sent animals fleeing in fear in all directions. The Kuru soldiers had a difficult time controlling their horses and elephants, while commanders struggled to keep the enlisted men from running away. Duryodhana, however, was looking on the bright side. He'd discovered the Pandavas. He addressed his elders, Bhishma, Drona, and Kripa, and said, You guys remember the rules of this arrangement. If any one of the Pandavas is found out before the thirteenth year is up, then they shall return to exile for another twelve years. While well, it is near the end of the thirteenth year, I don't think it is over just yet. Tell me truly, what are your calculations? Perhaps fearing the honesty or even bias of his betters, Diodana then hedged a bit, saying, Of course, this is a complicated matter, so even your calculations may not be correct. Changing the subject somewhat, possibly fearing how they might answer, he turned to Karna and asked, What are all these great warriors doing just standing around? It seems our teachers are muddle-headed at the moment. 
If we want to save these cattle, shouldn't we organize a defense? Karna was in agreement. He said, I see that these great lords are frightened and confused. But whether that is Arjun or King Virata, I'm ready to stop them in their tracks. Karna went on for a couple of pages, bragging and boasting how he'd kick Arjun's butt and leave his banner trailing in the dirt. I'll spare you the details. Finally, Kripa got annoyed and criticized Karna. He said, you have a one-track mind, Radea. It's all about fighting and killing with you. Don't you realize that war is the last and worst option? In this case, you'd be well advised to avoid this conflict. This guy just spent five years in heaven getting weapons from Chakra. Kripa continued, describing all of Arjun's military feats, which takes up another page, finally concluding, We tricked him into peace for thirteen years, but now he's like a lion sprung from a trap. He will not leave one of us alive. We are in extreme danger. We must all fight together in a defensive position if we hope to fight Arjun. Arjun must have still been quite a way off, because amazingly, a sort of conference broke out. Now it was Drona's son Ashvataman's turn to chime in. Ashvataman also criticized Karna. He said, The cattle are not won yet. Varata is not yet defeated, but Karna is boasting. Real men don't talk of their accomplishments. The Pandavas won their kingdom honestly, and they remained respectful to their elders. What Kshatriya would be content to take possession of a kingdom won by crooked dice? In what duel did you defeat Arjun, Nakula, and Sahadev, whose possessions you robbed? In what war did you take Indraprastha? Seeing this conversation was going nowhere, Bhishma stepped in. Diplomatically, he got forgiveness and apologies from everyone concerned, and then Drona made a suggestion. He said, I don't think Arjun would have revealed himself like this if the year had not passed. Let us have Gangeya answer Duryodhana's original question. Bhishma said, Well, you see, first you got hours, days, and months, and then you got the lunar houses and the solar years. And over here you got the Wheel of Time with its divisions. Because of an excessive time and the deviation of the luminaries, you add two months for each five years. So if you take the 13 years with two additional months every five years, and then you carry the two, and I calculate that to 13 years, you should add five months and 12 days. Therefore... Their term came up a few days ago. Arjun knew this, and that's why he's come out. Duryodhana whined. I shall not give up my kingdom to the Pandava's grandfather. Prepare for war. Knowing well his duty, Bhishma took command of the army. He ordered a quarter of their forces to return to Hastinapur, assigned another quarter to guard the cattle, and arrayed the remainder in a defensive position. He had Drona lead the center, Ashvataman took the left, Kripa took the right, and he assigned Karna to lead the vanguard. I guess Arjun was gallantly waiting for them to get their act together, because only now that they had been arrayed for battle did he finally attack. Arjun saw arrayed before him the standards of Bhishma, Drona, Kripa, and Ashvataman, but he wasn't interested in these. He had Prince Uttara direct the chariot toward a fleeing dust cloud to the south. It was the stolen herds, plus King Duryodhana and his guard, rushing away as fast as they could. As Arjun caught up with them, he blasted a few more notes on his horn. The cattle responded to the sound by stampeding back toward their pastures among the Matsyas. Before the Kurus could respond, Arjun was on them. Karna's brother, Sangramajit, plus a small force of lesser characters, turned to fight. After exchanging arrows of various types, Arjun succeeded in killing the whole lot. Karna, who was always angry about something, now turned to fight the killer of his brother. 
In this encounter, we are told that Arjun struck Karna with his arrows on the arms, legs, chest, head, and throat, and that the force of these blows propelled him away from the battlefield. Whatever happened, Karna broke from the rest of the group and fled. The poet says, The fierce Karna Vaikartana abandoned the vanguard and fled as he burned with the Pandava's strikes. By now, the gods and their vamanas were gathering overhead. It says Indra was particularly interested in seeing how his divine weapons performed in an earthly conflict. In addition to the gods, the great rishis appeared among the clouds to watch the battle. Now Kripa attacked Arjun. Unwilling to even injure his opponent, Arjun fired four arrows each into one of Kripa's horses. As the beast reared up in pain, it made the guru lose his footing. Arjun then shot out Kripa's bow and then blasted off each of his guru's piece of armor finally leaving the Brahmin in only his undershirt. When Kripa persisted in the fight, even striking Arjun with a spear, Arjun disabled him completely by killing Kripa's horses and charioteer. Kripa had to be rescued and carried away by his guards. Next, it was Drona's turn. The two traded arrows of various sorts, and soon Drona was being beaten back. He was spared defeat by the arrival of his son, Ashvataman. Privately applauding Arjun's performance, Ashvataman swept down on him nonetheless, affording Drona the chance to get away. While Arjun was dueling with Ashvataman, Karna re-entered the fight. Shouting and blowing on his horn, he again attacked Arjun. Arjun rode by him and taunted him, saying, Why did you flee the battle? Your brother was a braver man. He stuck around, but now he's dead. If he had not run away, you'd be dead too. The pair then faced off until one of Arjun's arrows pierced Karna's armor and stuck into his chest, causing him to black out. Karna's driver, seeing his lord unconscious and bleeding, raced away from the melee for a second time. Arjun then turned his wrath against the army more generally, slaughtering infantry and cavalry in droves. The death of the lesser fighters was simply a slaughter. While Arjun was thus occupied, the Karava generals, including Duryodhana and his brothers, mounted a counteroffensive. Ultimately, Arjun beat them all back by using his bewilderment spell. The force of this blanketed his opponents in darkness and confusion. Eventually, they all passed out from its effects. Remembering his promise to the princesses, Arjun then jumped down and started collecting colorful bits of his opponent's clothing. Arjun could have cut this whole epic short then and there by finishing off his enemies while they slept, but he just stuck to the task of stripping them. As he did this, Bhishma roused himself and attacked. Arjun just loaded his spoils, shot and killed Bhishma's horses, and rode off back to the city with the cattle and the spoils. Duryodhana came to and saw Arjun riding off in the sunset, and he complained to Bhishma, How did you let him get past you? Your job is to kill Arjun, but you let him get away. Bhishma just laughed at him and said, What's wrong with you? Just a minute ago, you just stood there while Arjun took your pants off. Why didn't you kill him then? The only reason you're alive now to complain is that Arjun loves his dharma and spared you. Now he's won this round. He has the cattle and he has your pants. There's nothing to do but return home and get some clean clothes. Unhappily, Duryodhana consented, and the Kuru Expeditionary Army headed back for Hastinapur, empty-handed. That's all for now. Next time, the rest of the Pandavas come out of their disguises, patch things up with Virata, and start making plans for their next move to win back their kingdom. Thanks for listening. <laughs>